Blog Talk Radio. Yo, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about this. Invisible co-host. 
And All right. the third awesome, awesome co-host would be Melissa. I'm in the house. Hey. All right. Um, yeah, so uh, for the moment, I'm kind of flying blind here because my my switchboard will not bring up. I, something is up with my computer. So sorry. But um, we want to get to be talking a couple, about a couple of things. And if, Melissa, can you bring up uh, the first story, which is about the, the HuffPo that came out on HuffPo. But this blogger, and you're going to have to uh, read it for us, had just Leticia, about eight or Leticia, ten things. Yeah. before yeah. you go on, you know we can't start the show unless we start the show out right, right? Right. I was going to get that. I was going to get to that. Thanks. <laughs> uh, uh, she had eight to ten items that she had. Apparently, she's, she claims to be Catholic, had ideas for the Pope. Uh, how to make mm-hmm. the Pope or the Catholic Church uh, a little better. So while you bring that up, um, Thomas, would you yes. please uh, pray for us as well as give us our scripture for today? And All right. what that noise is. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says, I record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed might live. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Father God, I just ask you right now to bless this show tonight. Bless our listeners, Lord God. Father, I specifically ask you to bless our host so that her technical difficulties will just stop in Jesus' name. Lord God, we thank you for strengthening our family in the love that you continue to pour out in us each and every day as we pursue this life issue. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, would you want me to read part of this article, Letitia? Uh, Yes, and tell us a little bit about what this uh, woman is saying and what she claims she wants from the Pope. Okay. Well, she, uh, this, um, this, Young lady is a blogger. Um, she's a Huffington Post religion blogger. Her name is Angela. Uh, won't, her won't attempt uh, her last name, um, but uh, looks like Bona Baglia maybe. Um, but she writes this letter, open letter to the Pope, um, regarding women, and um, the title is for Pope Francis: A To Do List on Women. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Right. Um, so she gives, she wants to tell yeah. the Pope what to do. Nice. Yes, a to do list. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So she starts the number one to do on the to do list is to please stop talking. Uh, maybe I should start with number. Hmm, maybe I should start with. Well, I can start with number one. 
please stop talking about the role of women in the church. Um, so that is uh, her number one uh, uh, topic here. Um, she mm-hmm. says that we don't talk about the role of men in the church. Um, they're said to be players. Um, and this is a subject. Um, the subject is justice and equality. Um, yes. And did you, were, did you guys have any thoughts on that, or should I go on to the next one? Because um, it gets a little well, interesting uh, here. The 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 intro the what the run up to these ten pieces of advice for Pope is very interesting because you know when we start off talking because none of us are Catholic but as I understand the the way the Catholic Church works is that it's a very top down organization the way it's it's organized and the Pope is usually called uh, you know in language that we don't throw around very very much here but he's called the Vicar of Christ which means uh, what he says, if, if God were to say it to the Catholic Church or the, the, the faithful today, it usually comes from the Pope to the rest of the Church. And for her to presume, now she lives in the United States, I presume, for her to presume to be able to approach the Pope in such a way as to say, here's how you can make things better, better, <clears throat> is a is a distinctly American thing to do. So first of all, I wanted to point out that telling the church what his business ought to be with regard to women is a very un-Catholic thing to do. It exists, oddly enough, well, predictably enough, in the United States because we have our ideas of freedom and liberty that are that are uh, frankly taken from our ideas of constitutionalism, that we we have our freedom and we have our liberty and we should be able to have input in the in the structures we live in. And suddenly, I think uh, that a lot of Catholics seem to assume that applies to their church too. Um, not all Catholics think that way, but a lot of American Catholics think that way. Uh, unfortunately, I, the way I understand it, that's not how things work. And so this makes this open letter uh, very, very curious to me. Uh, I think most of the time these things get, I mean, I'm pretty sure people are writing open letters all the time to the Pope. <laughs> I guess, because, you know, we have the Internet and people can do such things. But most of the time these things are blown off because people don't have authority. In a, in a church structure that is built on the authority of a human being on the very top to speak and direct, you know, the church of Jesus Christ. Um, if you don't have that type of authority, you're not likely to get your thoughts out. But anyway, kudos to her for trying and breaking all the rules and everything. Uh, so the first, time, first item on the list is stop making women's issues. An issue? Yeah, please stop talking about the role of women in the church. Stop talking about it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I always thought the complaint was that the church didn't talk about women in us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would think. Yeah, I would think that in her in her uh, worldview or eyes that that would be a good thing to talk about the role of women in the church. Um, she says that um, again. Um, they never talk about expanding the role of women, of men because they're 
expected to be players in the whole church. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so you think that that would be um, a good thing for women in that sense. But, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get her point here. Okay, so let's move on. Okay, um, number two is recognize women's God-given free will more uh, moral authority. Um, and she and she says, um, by this, um, abortion can be a difficult decision. We agree, but God obviously trusted women to make that decision. Look where she put the embryo. So, um, hmm. Yeah, let, let's wait, take wait, that wait, one apart. Wait, 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 Yes. Ah, interesting. Okay, so I want to pick this one apart just with one scripture. <laughs> just one, just one. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, in other words, I recommend Choose life so that you and your seed might live. Sounds to me like God made that perfectly clear. But, you know, you can't argue, you can't argue with raging hormones, so there you go. Well, right. I don't think that scripture is, is part of the authority here, the moral authority that she refers to. Because in this, in this number two, um, it specifically says, you know, what was crossed out, Melissa? Because something's crossed out. Yeah, Recognize um, women's free, free will is crossed out. Free will. Mm-hmm. And instead of, so if the word free will is crossed out, and instead it's put in as moral authority. So right off the bat, she's putting herself, you know, women have the right. moral moral authority, Sorry. not just that we have free will. And by, by the way, either way you put it, I've heard this before. I've heard this from people who are not Catholic. Uh, so, I mean, the fact that this is happening in the Catholic sphere is 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 just incidental because it's a conversation that's happening all over the place. Uh, that Why? since we since women have the ability to abort our children, hey, Leticia, that you means just real we, quick. we have the free will to Leticia. be able to choose that. Leticia, just real quick. Melissa, do you have the ability to run the uh, run the soundboard just for a hot minute? Um, yeah. Okay, I'll be right back because I got to go give the other phone that I'm connecting with to the person. So I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. We're having but all I'm kinds still of on, today. I'm still online. So. <laughs> all right. We're having all kinds of problems. All right, I think, uh, um, yes. So she says, recognize God, a woman's God-given free will crossed out, right. meaning moral authority. So the right. free will that, I, and I've heard this before, saying since we have the ability to have abortions, we have, God should respect our, our choices. I don't know how that follows. Yeah, it, it does. I've um, heard it a lot. It does because I mean, she said she acknowledges, um, even though she says she refers to God as she, but she's acknowledging that God 
um, is the one who placed the embryo um, in women, places the embryo in women. So mm-hmm. basically God is the creator of life. Um, so being that right. women are the ones who are the carriers of life, um, she's acknowledging that. So did God make a mistake? Um, did God just place that, that baby in the womb because, you know, he didn't know what, you know, what to do or he had no plan for that child? Or was this all just a big joke or a mistake? And therefore he just wanted um, to give her the opportunity to exercise her moral authority um, regarding the child that he placed in her? Right. I, I think that's what it is. Um, you know, it could be that when we're talking when we're talking about abortion overall, that she can attribute, oh, if God made a mistake and put the wrong child in the wrong woman, that woman has then uh, the free will to dispose of that child. Uh, right. I don't, you know, obviously I think we're missing eight to 10,000 steps in logic before we get to that point. One of them being that uh, just because you have the physical ability to do something doesn't give you the right to do it. I have the physical okay. physical ability uh, to run into people crossing the street with my car. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't give me the right to do it. Right. Ability does okay. not equal right. Free will does not equal moral authority. Yeah. So it's she's so basically weird. telling yeah, yeah, she's telling the Pope, I you know, I can't I can because I should because I can. Well Yeah, and it's just it's it, it seems it seems like she's just talking out of out of both sides of her mouth that she's referring to God, but then referring to her own moral authority. So if you're if, if she's Catholic as she claims to be, um, then I don't understand how she is ultimately the moral authority here. Um, you know, as if God has just kind of kind of had his hands tied. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it, as if he hasn't spoken on this issue. So it's just very. Um, not not good thinking at all. Okay, number three. Number three, um, he needs to study feminist theology. <laughs> Is there such thing? I'm back now, by the way. Uh, sure. I mean, <laughs> oh, there there's such song. a thing. Uh, but the thing is, every kind of thing, yeah. how, why should he study feminist theology when she just told him to stop talking about the role of women in the church? <laughs> Good point. Why should he? Why should the Pope even bother? Why should he even bother? Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I think um, it's 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 quite ironic because what the the whole impetus for this is we don't really like what the Catholic Church has said about the role of women. Um, right. So the solution is. Uh, to make everybody just be quiet about it, but then if they're quiet about it, they can't change what status quo is. I, I mean, I don't know what, how she wants it both ways. Mhm. But anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, yeah. Um, then she says, number four, blessed to use of contraception. Hmm. Blessed to use contraception. I guess. Wait, wait, wait. Did I hear that right? Yes. She wants to publish. Yeah. Okay. So, again, I would ask why? Right. (laughs) Why? 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> it just seems so arbitrary. Um, Whatever is going to benefit, you know, her her and, and women, um, that's what she wants the Pope to, to do and, um, you know, throw away any type of Catholic teaching at all. Right. If you're going to call yourself, if you're going to call yourself a Catholic, why do you want to change what the Catholic Church teaches? Right. I somehow, somehow people, like you said, want to have their cake and eat it too. They want to be a part of an organization, be a part of a church that teaches something they don't believe, but they they still want to be a part of that. And then they want right. to change what it believes. Well, you know what? I I I want to join a swimming club. I can't swim worth anything, so I'm going to make everybody uh, play play ground sports, <laughs> swimming club. Why? Why? It doesn't make any sense. But anyway, I suppose that she wants to, she sees that as an improvement overall. If if the church were to say uh, that the use of contraception is okay, then women everywhere in, in, in the Catholic church would be able to use contraception without feeling guilty about it. Well, here in America... I think American Catholics have kind of shed the guilt enough because they don't really listen to the church on on, on, on contraception anyway. Why would this matter? Why would this matter? You just do what you want. Right. Anyway. Why would you Why would you care to ask the Pope's blessing on it? Um, anyway, number five. Number five is leave behind the virgin birth. Okay, uh, you know, as a person who is involved in theology, I I would really like to know why leaving behind the virgin birth helps women. Um, she said, she said here that idea of a mother unsoiled biceps is a terrible burden for Catholic women who can never measure up and is nothing more than a myth. I I don't I have to admit I don't understand the psychology of what she's experiencing somehow the somehow there because they have a huge emphasis on the virgin mary it it it's part of I guess if you grow up catholic it's part of your spiritual psyche you you think about Mary a lot, and I hope because I'm not I'm trying very hard not to offend any listening Catholics because uh, I don't mean anything uh, negative about by it. But the idea that discarding the the whole virginity of Mary helps women in the church helps with theology helps with anything makes one bit of difference in the practical life of a person at all, of a woman at all, makes no sense. Now, theologically, we would say, I would say, that this is an impossibility. This is a doctrine of Christianity, that Mary was, I, I wouldn't say unsoiled. I, Mary simply had never had any sexual relations before she became pregnant with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put any any loaded words like unsoiled into it. We're not, we're, not told, we're not saying that 
anything is wrong by not being a virgin. <laughs> Morally. Yeah. I mean, I think this. I think it comes out of her own psyche to put this out there, uh, rather than objectively looking at, you know, what does the virgin birth really contribute to the whole idea that her fundamental point of writing this is to say, hey, why don't, hey, Pope, why don't you say that abortion is okay? Yeah, it's yeah. Again, it goes kind of just goes back to why is she Catholic. Um, if Jesus is the sinless Son of God, then the virgin birth, you know, is is necessary there in that sense. In the, in the mm-hmm. um, gospel gospel message. Um, so, um, again, why are you Catholic? <laughs> you know, this is it's 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 not about your sexuality as much as it's about um, your Savior and and um, and so what what is this? Why the emphasis on on women um, in in everything, <laughs> as opposed to the need of humanity for a savior? You know, right, right. Um, skip ahead to skip ahead to number seven. Okay, and number seven is in compulsory celibacy. Hmm. I, I'm not a Freudian, but I'm really, really tempted to think that and that number seven is a Freudian item. It has nothing to do with you know compulsory celibacy of the priesthood. I think this is a is a is a shot out at this idea that people ought to be celibate until they're married. Mm. I think that I, at the foundation of all of this, you know, the uh, debate over abortion, the debate over contraception, is really whether or not people ought to be engaging in sexual activity outside the confines of marriage, where it is safe and where children can be conceived and born without uh this talk of oh what if I'm raped oh what if I'm I'm you know marriage provides the safe haven for everybody involved but the problem is that human beings want to find sexual encounters outside of marriage so much more legitimate than inside the marriage well that poses problems not only violating you know, God's plan for your life, your your sexual life, it is putting children in jeopardy. That's why we have abortion, unwanted children, because they come at unopportune times, mostly because they're conceived outside of marriage. Right. Absolutely. And so, it looks, yeah. I don't know why, you know, this idea that priests uh, should not be celibate or should be allowed to marry has anything to do with women other than this is a, this is a way of her psychologically saying, hey, I want you to make um, premarital sex or, or, or adultery okay too. Right. I'm sure, you know, people are going to say, no, that's not what she says. No, there's no other reason for why it's here. <laughs> really. 
Yeah, it is. It is interesting that you know, in terms of uh, the um, the whole uh, to do list was regarding women, and then this was brought up. So that was uh, that was yeah. pretty ironic. <laughs> right. Um, and um, the last one. Okay, the last one is number nine. No more meetings about women without women. I thought hmm. they, weren't, they weren't supposed to be talking about women anymore. I, I, <laughs> I really, again, uh, what, so what I think she's really asking for is, hey, make abortion okay because, after all, I mean, the only real point that she had was, <laughs> Francis, you should listen to women because this is what I want, and you should listen right. to what That's I want. That's the yes. bottom very bottom line. I want this. I want to be able for you to tell me that abortion and contraception is okay, so make it so. Right. That's what I brought um, down to. Yeah, there was no, nothing, yeah, nothing of substance um, that would, you know, <laughs> that he should, um, that should warrant any of these changes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my solution for this, this woman who is this laundry list who has made this laundry list for Pope Francis, is, hey, for you, it sounds like you would be way more comfortable if you left the Catholic Church and you didn't have this um, this task that you think is, is before you to try to persuade the Pope in some way to loosen the moral constraints that you feel are really messing your life up. Mm-hmm. If you're, you want to be free to do what you want to do, fine. Disassociate yourself from the Catholic Church and do whatever you want. All and right. The, end of problem. Right there. <clears throat> All right. Just, you know, go, go with her to-do list and everything will be okay. Right. Well, on to <laughs> the next story we have uh, before we take uh, a minute we uh, have a sort of a phrase. I think that you had talked about how your mixed feelings about uh, the Tanya Reeves ruling that came out today. And as, as people yeah. on this show have known, we've been following the story about Tanya Reeves, who was tragically killed in an abortion when her abortionist left her bleeding in the clinic for five and a half hours before finally having somebody drive her to the, or no, an ambulance, drive her to the hospital and leaving her there without any supervision for the hospital emergency staff to figure out what was wrong with her because nobody from the abortion clinic, I think it was Planned Parenthood, nobody from Planned Parenthood stuck around to tell the ER staff exactly what was wrong. They knew. They knew for five and a half hours what was wrong. And in the end, she, she died and she left behind a one-year-old baby. Well, in this ruling, uh, the family sued Planned Parenthood and two other entities, I believe, for, for wrongful death, and they were awarded $2 million. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I think I agree with you that I have kind of mixed feelings about that. Yeah, um, I, I, I thought I was like, yay, you know, yes. And then, I don't know, it just, I, just start, I started to think about um, 
you know, Abby Johnson brought up some good points as well that, you know, mm-hmm. when, when you really look at it, $2 million is nothing to Planned Parenthood. Um, it's it's not going to affect them um, in one way or the other. Um, I, you know, because they're they're still guaranteed our tax dollars. <laughs> so it's, it's right. still, um, in some sense, coming out of our pocket. <laughs> so to me, that's, the that's whole true. financial aspect is, you know, that that financial award uh, to me is injustice in, in any sense for this wife that was lost. Right. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to feel that financially at all. Two million dollars from Planned Parenthood when they're receiving five hundred million from the U.S. government isn't, probably, right. isn't going to be a concern for them overall. But the thing, it just amounts to me as a slap on the wrist. I think because yeah. nobody is going to nobody's being prosecuted for wrongful death. Right. Actually, the abortionist right. in question who who did the one that killed her isn't facing any personal charges. He's not facing right. any jail time. He's not personally being penalized or fined or or brought up on any charges whatsoever. Right. Or, nor are any of this of his staff that were completely mm-hmm. negligent for those five and a half hours while they let her bleed and bleed. Right. Some, yeah. I, I have a hard time looking at this and say, oh, there was nothing that was criminally, criminally negligent about this case. It's impossible to look at that and see that. Even hey, if, even if um, can I jump in here for just a minute? I'm sorry, but I just happened across something that just totally blew me away. And maybe you guys know this. Did you guys hear about the baby that was saved from a late-term abortion when the parent's car died? Yes, I read that. That is a big risk. I'm like floored. No, I hadn't heard about that. Praise God. Yeah. I guess it happened yesterday or yeah. Or, what, oh my gosh, I'm just happy. Wow. No, I guess it happened last year sometime. See, okay. right. Back, back yeah, to y'all. Uh, yeah, that's that's back great. Back to y'all's dialogue. Um, I'm sorry. Have, I think we're going to go because um, I, I I finally got my screen back, but I don't know how long. <laughs> so we're going to go straight to our guest today. Um, my friend Jane Petrie, and we're going to talk about one of our, our top stories that's happening this week. I mean, I think the Internet and a lot of the uh, conservative news media just exploded this week about the cookie cot. Now, if everybody has, isn't already aware, it is Girl Scout cookie selling season right now uh, across most of the United States, if not all, and beyond. And my daughter and I used to be a part of the Girl Scouts, and I was kind of skeptical at first. I wanted to involve her in a good program that, uh, you know, was fun and backed up most of our values about, you know, strong, having, building strong character, et cetera, et cetera. And I, st- I started to look at the curriculum that they were changing over to, and this was about 2009. And I was seeing the new curriculum that was rolling out, and I'm like, hmm, yeah, looks like something that was created in this decade for a, with a real kind of progressive feel to it. 
But as long as uh, Girl Scout troops have the autonomy not to participate in those things, I was okay with it. Well, the official rollout of all the curriculum changeover happened in 2011. And then they started to say, you can't earn badges, girls can't earn badges without participating or doing the curriculum. And then I'm like, ah, I'm not sure this autonomy is holding out as, as it's not as autonomous as, <laughs> as before. And now the evidence is piled up on top of these progressive changes that Planned Parenthood is associated very closely with the Girl Scouts in some way, shape, or form on some level uh, promoting – now, let me I have to be careful and say it the, the correct way – that the Girl Scouts organization on the whole is associated with promoting the same pro-abortion and pro-population control views on a global scale that Planned Parenthood and other pro-abortion groups, pro-population groups, also support. So they are both, they are all promoting the same things. So I know there was a confusion at some point in time, was Girl Scouts giving money to Planned Parenthood, and that's not what this is about, but it is about something that is far more reaching. So I have on the line with me uh, my friend Jane Petrie, who was there from the beginning, at least two to three years ago when this kind of this news started trickling down to some of us who were paying attention. So, hey, Jane, how are you? Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm, I am fine, Leticia, and thank you for having me. And it's always a pleasure to get the message out about the Girl Scouts. Um, like you, I bled green and was a leader. I am also a lifetime member, and at 70 years old, that's a long time a member. But now I work to expose them, which is not to their liking. But like you said, and you sound like you've really been doing your homework over the past few years, the Girl Scouts don't actually write a check to the well, Planned Parenthood. To to you. <laughs> Thank you. I work hard at it, trust me, because we have been betrayed. And um, every little girl and every adult that has been involved in the program has been betrayed because, in fact, the Girl Scouts at this time are out there scrubbing who they are off of their websites. And, of course, we knew this that they would do this, and so we were prepared and doing our screensaver job. But actually, on the Girl Scout links, you could see that the Girl Scout young people were advocating for sexual and reproductive rights. They demanded accessible, affordable, and safe abortions should be made part of the packages of sexual and reproductive health services. So we had girls who were actually also petitioning for good wages for sex workers. Most people would say, oh, that isn't true, but it is. And sadly, within each troop, a leader is most likely a wonderful woman, perhaps within your parish, your synagogue, or your church, and all the parents look up to her, as do the little girls, and she would never, ever promote anything like this. But the sad part is that each registration that goes to GSUSA and each box of cookies that is bought from the Girl Scouts goes to finance this agenda. And you spoke, Leticia, of the journey 
program that was coming down where you kind of got a heads up to the progressive movement, and that, in fact, was put together by a cult guru. And so it's no surprise that from little on, they want our children, they start off with an innocent-looking green business and move right on up to sex camps for girls where I have read the program of the one sex camp weekend, and there were words that I literally had to look up in the dictionary. The girls were to put that lettering on their back and have the other girls guess what it was. Uh, They have discontinued that, but they do direct the girls to Media Matters, which is George Soros, which is a Mm left-wing organization. People say, how can that be? They say they are not political. Well, it, it is and it was, and it did happen, and Breitbart exposed it also. I, and for full disclosure, I must say that you can now, at the Girl Scout Council here in St. Louis, you can get a sticker to cover up the offensive part. They also directed our girls to go to uh, a book where the girls could learn about Girltopia, which was basically a walled city where women lived and little boys that were born of the uh, carnivals, which were orgies they had, were put over the wall when they were five years old. Of course, there was, you know, the military that took care of who belonged to who and advised them, no, you can't be with that person. But it's just a a whole den of evil that they are promoting. And they had no idea. Let's go back. Let's go back mm-hmm. to um, um, the, the the camps where they're trying to do kind of uh, I, I assume it's some kind of sex ed for Girl Scouts at, at camp. What yes, age it was. They, it did not happen in yeah. Missouri, though. Okay. It happened. What age were right. they they trying trying this out on on girls? Uh, they were trying this out on. Uh, junior age level girls and they actually had sex toys and they had the fake penis etc so the girls could feel it so they would know what a penis would feel like and this is what they had for the girls unknowing to the parents before the girls went that weekend wow just for everybody's uh understanding a a girl junior is grades four four fifth and sixth grade i believe right it was juniors and up Okay, so starting at fifth grade, so about age 10. Correct. So for girls and, of course, when I really got up. involved was through Austin Ruse, and when he put out the paper and the piece on what happened with Happy, Healthy, and Hot, he is the editor of CFAM, which is Catholic Family, and he started a Facebook page, Make the Girl Scouts Clean Again, and... Mm-hmm brochure that we were very careful to be told that it wasn't handed out, but it was made available. And I hate splitting hairs at this point, but when I was called into our Girl Scout Council here in St. Louis, I was told that they did not distribute it. However, if you put a brochure that young girls can see sex is talked about on a table, I think they're going to willingly pick it up. And that was what their intentions were. So these girls were told that uh, have sex, uh, talk dirty to your partner. There's more than one way to have sex, that anal sex is good. It was an unlimited amount of information. 
and these girls were made, you know, it was being made available to the girls. Right. And, again, they were age, starting at age 10. The girls Correct. could attend, um, this, I, I guess from the stories when I remember reading about it, it was uh, like a, a meeting for girls age 10 and up where they had this brochure or booklet made available. The, but the one thing that was called healthy, happy, and hot, the one thing that I thought was the most dangerous about it is not so much the age inappropriate material as that it was giving advice to girls saying if you have a sexually transmitted disease it's Correct. okay not to tell your anybody exactly. you're sexually involved with and Don't tell i think you. that it is yes it's okay not very to dangerous tell very dangerous a disease and i think that went beyond the pale because uh that just transgresses all kinds of moral ethical lines. You know, you're not only endangering yourself for a greater exposure, you're endangering somebody else, and that person has a right to know. actually criminal. Right. It is criminal Um, to, right. Right, right. Well, it's very dangerous. So explain to us a little bit about how this, so this is kind of the background leading the couple of years from, from ago till today, where yesterday there was a great big push uh, to have this tweet fest, the cookie cut tweet fest, and uh, exactly. explain to us exactly what all that was and, and who was involved and what is the aim. Okay, well, it started up with, uh, there was a new site put up this year, My Girl Scout council.com to where women could go directly to the Girl Scout Council in the state or the area in which they lived and find out specifically what their Girl Scout Council did. From that, it gained steam. And, of course, there is a, a website where you can get information about that also, but it gained steam and Cookie Cut came out of that. And at this time, the pro-life leaders from throughout the country have joined forces, and I think this is a wonderful thing, and, and we can be quite proud of Missouri because Missouri Right to Life has a statement out, and they have a statement against the Girl Scouts and what they do. So we're quite proud of them, and at the National Right to Life meeting that they had, we actually had a delegate in um, Ann Salad, and you'd had her on it one other time. She actually spoke there, and she is going to speak at the National Right to Life next year also. But we have National Right to Life groups from across the country joining in, and I think that this is going to be what makes the difference. I think the, I think our country is hungry to get back to their roots and to have the moral uh, standing that most families support. I think most families are unaware, and obviously the Girl Scouts think they're unaware or they wouldn't now be scrubbing their sites where they actually had this information up. Most parents are busy. They take their child to the scout meeting. They know the leader. She's the room mother at school. They see her around. They know she's a good woman and their child is enjoying it. And they're busy working. So it's a it's for those of us who know more to get the information out. I think a lot of adults are now stepping up and saying, gee, really? I took that for granted. So we all have an obligation as citizens to protect our children 
and to get the information out because the Girl Scouts are not a group that is in, con- in conducive to our faith values. And I think right. that's an important thing to take a look at. And as a matter of fact, the L.A. Times just came out with a piece today that uh, in a video about the Girl Scout cookie boycott as well. And so it's really made a lot of news. And those who may be listening, a great opportunity if they see Girl Scout cookies sitting in front of Walmart stores who are very have always been supportive of Girl Scout cookies, I think it would do well to speak to the manager and say, are you aware? Because you spoke to it that they are not writing a check to Planned Parenthood. They are promoting it in every direction. Who wants their child to have a role model, model such as Margaret Sanger? Our girls could literally earn a patch for learning about Margaret Sanger. And yet we prey on black children to increase the numbers that our councils can report. So this is, is wrong, and it needs to be addressed. And I think the pro-life groups have right. really stepped up to the plate. In fact, it's, it's their, this year's, I don't know, they're awarded a Woman of the Year Award to Correct. Texas State Senator Wendy Davis. Uh, Absolutely. That I think prompted a lot of councils, um, and not a, a lot of councils, a lot of parents and a lot of pro-life groups to become alarmed. Exactly. Exactly. Not someone that we want our children to emulate. We have a lot of good people out there. I haven't seen Sarah Palin on their list right. as women to admire. Right, and we have talked about Wendy Davis on this program at length. <laughs> And exactly. so, we, and so I, have seen, I have seen her rise to this kind of uh, mass-produced fame, trading basically not on her political career, but on her stance toward abortion. Exactly. Exactly. I think, and of course, Girl Scouts, when asked about these things, and I've sat and listened to people from our Girl Scout Council here in St. Louis say at one of our local neighborhood meetings, oh, no, we do not, you know, we leave this kind of thing to the parents. But that isn't truth. It strictly isn't truth. And, of course, most parents and leaders listening to someone from the Girl Scout Council say that will then go repeat it to someone. So we're up against a message that a group that has had a long standing of being admired uh, and so it's it's a difficult message, but it is truth, and there are places to get the truth. Not easy to do, and a lot of women that I know are and our friends are now realizing that this is the truth. I actually chair a group of women here in St. Louis who are older, 70 and up, who we call ourselves the Charter Alums. And they are, are quite concerned, and a lot of them have actually uh, changed some of their, um, you know, their wills to where they have changed and not leaving money to the Girl Scouts any longer now that they know what the Girl Scouts' agenda is. They're ashamed of it. This is not what women want for their children. Mm-hmm. So how do, how do we combat this now? And the cookie cut is one thing. Not, don't buy cookies this season, but how do – how does this – what's the agenda here? Because we, we want to affect some kind of change. You know, oddly enough, 
that was one of the mottos of, of Girl Scouts, you know, change. Exactly. <laughs> and interestingly... So in the change here. Where, where do we go? It's interesting because Michelle Tompkins of GSUSA, who is not there now, I have an email from her when she says, Jane, obviously you have, you know, uh, learned a lot of skills from Girl Scouting. And yes, I did. And now they're coming back at you, Girl Scouts, because I do speak out. And so I think what we can do first off is uh, – Go to our parishes. I think uh, the church parishes and the schools, knowing that this is part of the agenda, is where we need to start. We need to speak to our pastors, to our ministers, and make a change in that direction. That's the beginning. First, let everybody know. So are we trying to tell parents to withdraw their children from Girl Scouts or simply just not buy cookies? How do we, is there is this an effort to change and speak out against the Girl Scouts to get them to change their policies? Or is it to, um, to go toward an alternative? I think that the Girl Scouts are embedded with WAGS, which is the World Association of Girl Scouts and Girl Guides. As a matter of fact, they were... Uh, part of the founding fathers with WAGS. And so that is really the organization that is very troublesome. And WAGS gets membership fees. $2.45 million come from GSUSA. Girl Scouts is not going to change. They have been very adamant about this. We have been speaking out for years now and have made no difference to them, as you can tell by their Wendy Davis. So they're throwing it in our face. They have no intention of changing. I personally would take my daughter out of scouting, I think maybe finishing it off this school year, not buying cookies, staying with her little friends this year, giving time to a Look into new programs. The American Heritage Girls are a wonderful program. Patty Garibay, the CEO, has been to my home, along with Bill Federer, who I'm sure you're aware of and a staunch conservative, and also our own Phyllis Schlafly. Uh, She spoke with Patty Garibay by phone here at my home, and she totally supports her and all that she does. There are alternative programs So there are choices. Interestingly enough, evil always has a shiny face. That would be Girl Scout camps and some of the programs that the Girl Scouts are well able to afford. A new program like the American Heritage Girls is not as flashy when it comes to having the ability to have all of these great resources in camps. But the devil has a way of always having a pretty shiny face. And that's what we have to decide. Is it that what we want for our children? Or is it a program that has value? And I think most parents will choose value. And not only is there American Heritage Girls, there's also a program called Mm -hmm. the Little Flowers that some parishes have. And that's a great program as well. And I did hear today about one school in our archdiocese is strictly having parents uh, working in program uh, material for girls, not really in a uh, 
program type thing, but just as a loosely formed group of girls doing service work for soup kitchens and things like that. Parents can be very resourceful when it comes to things that they can provide for their children. It's just a matter of letting them know where the need is. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And um, I had thought that um, the way to to affect change within the Girl Scouts, now you're saying that they're not going to change their position. I don't think that, you know, I think that's moot. But isn't, isn't it isn't it true that the entire Girl Scouts organization relies completely on money from the girls? Absolutely. Or at least a, they do. At least a great portion of it. So, so the cookie sales, so people are saying, oh, the cookies, they only go to the local council. Um, but a lot of, That's you know, who, true. who pays right. the salaries? Who pays the salaries of those that are on the top? Uh, the cookie sales and the registration fees. The Troops themselves only get, and each council is a little bit different, but they only make between 10 and 20% of profit for those cookies within the troop. A lot of people say, oh, but I love my cookies. Well, you know, it's a small trade-off, and if you, you go to the dollar store or Walmart, I know they have a fudge mint cookie for 10 ounces, $1.89, can't beat it. So it can't be about our appetite for that sweet cookie. It has to be about our appetite for value for our girls. As a matter of fact, uh, speaking of people that the Girl Scouts employ, there was a Joshua Ackley, and I did get to see him down in Houston, Texas at their national convention, and he had is a homo punk band called the Dead Bettys in which he does fake masturbation under a pile of newspapers and he also has videos of strangling a woman etc this is a man that headed up the girl scout blog now if our little girls were savvy enough and these girls are savvier than i am if these girls were savvy enough to get onto the GSUSA blog they could actually link into see where our own Anna Marie Chavez lose our connection. Mm-hmm. Pardon? But the girls could actually link in and find out about this by person, but worse than that, our own the own CEO of GSUSA was in the Marie Claire magazine, which is a skin flick magazine and if they got linked in to see her portrayed in this magazine, they could also find five ways to have sex. These are our little girls. They have changed that. GSUSA was notified about that, and they did make a change there. But why are we having to be watchdogs of this program? Right. The That's a big organization. Question. If I'm having to watch from my kitchen table and women around the country doing the same, what are they up there doing? That is a very good question. Um, well, so uh, keep us surprised because I know that you are working very hard. You actually you praise me for being, you know, uh, keeping up on this information, but I really get it through you. <laughs> so I have to congratulate yeah, you. Thank you for all your hard work on on keeping up to date with what's happening and I hope you know this is now I have to shout out to my own show I know 
but hey, it's obligatory. We were probably one of the first media outlets to bring this story to light. Now, this past week, everybody's been talking about it, but we have been talking about it for uh, since last year. And we brought Absolutely. It we had, we had Absolutely. Anne Salad in on the show. We had, I mean, I tried to get you on the show. It didn't work out that day, uh, but we have you on today. So, hey, everybody, you want to stay cutting edge, you listen to Pro Life Fridays right here. Every weekend. Absolutely, <laughs> and thank you for what you're doing. It takes a lot of courage. Well, thank and that's you, Dean. We need and, women. Um, yeah, we will have you back um, as things develop. Um, so, thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll talk to you again. You as well, Leticia. Thank you. God bless. All right. Thank you. Hey, Leticia. Leticia. Making my microphone go all crazy. Uh, I wanted to let you know that our sponsor for this show has been a good friend of mine, Jennifer Cole, who has written a terrific book and is out in stores and available on Kindle, I believe, and it's called Many Strange Women. And it is, I, I've read the, for her, one of her previous books. I can't wait to read this one. Um, it is. She's a great and fantastic writer. Uh, very few times have I read a book and been had the chills. You know, she kind of writes a little horror stuff. The chills go up my spine, and um, I can't wait. And I want to thank her for her sponsorship. Look for her book in store in bookstores. Many strange women. And I want to come back from the break with, uh, by mentioning this story that we have with our next guest. Um, it's just amazing. There's too many words to put to this that, that I want to get out in a millisecond. But I want to introduce everybody to uh, our guest today, Kimberly Scott, uh, who, let me set this up this way. For all of you who have had questions about what does a woman, a woman who has been raped think about, doesn't she not, never want to see her child. She never wants. She she should never have to raise a demon baby. We've talked about that on this show, or a demon seed, or calling names to the child being the son of a rapist. What actually happens is what happens to our next guest. I mean, this is an actual story. Rather than talking about theoreticals, uh, we have this. We have our guest. She has a very compelling story. I can't wait for her to tell it. So welcome to our program, Kimberly. I am excited. I'm excited, too, and I'm, I'm just so grateful um, to even be on the show and to share the story. Well, I have to thank Thomas for pursuing the story. I think, uh, Thomas, can you tell us how you found out about the story? Oh, it's simple. She's friends with Judah. And I heard her on the, I heard her on the 
radio show with Judah. And then I also heard her video on 2020. I actually saw it about seven years ago when it came out, but I never thought when I was watching that video that I would ever be part of an interview with her seven years later. So there you go. Well, very nice. Well, (laughs) tell us a little bit about why – I don't even know the first question to ask because I'm I'm thinking about four or five at the same time. (laughs) Please tell us about how you ended up on 2020 because that's pretty big. How did you end up on 2020? That's that's a good question. Um, Actually, 2020 was looking for – they wanted to do a segment on young entrepreneurs, and they actually solicited – um, through junior achievements around the world. Now, my son has never been in junior achievement, but because part of his story is I'm going to be telling you uh, about these cookies that you guys just had a long discussion about, um, <laughs> only he has 68 flavors instead of, I don't know, seven flavors that the girls it, don't isn't have. That, isn't that the divine <laughs> providence of God right here? It's divine because I'm sitting here like we just, we need to start a Boy Scouts cookies with 68 flavors think, of a child who was born something. from rape. But anyway, let's go for it. Um, oh <laughs> yeah, I can totally see that. Okay, now that okay. all right. Yeah. Um, we'll talk later. But anyway, so. Um, the junior achievements in my area, uh, we did a lot of business expos with the cookies, and normally we would be there in a booth, and junior achievement would be there too. And so I guess when they solicited them, uh, my son has won awards from the Chamber of Commerce when he was eight years old for his businesses. So he's pretty well known in the area, so they submitted his name. And 2020 then tried to contact us, in which they were trying to do that through um, email. But, you know, when you see that stuff, you're like, come on, delete, you know. So I was kind of deleting them for about three months before I really knew that they were really trying to get a hold of us. And I finally said one day, let me see what they want. And when um, when the producers called me, they said they were looking for about 10 or 12 different um, young entrepreneurs and that they were going to give them like a minute to two-minute segment of the show. And she asked me, you know, about my son, and, well, they pretty much figured that he needed more than two minutes. Mm. <laughs> so it started so. out being about the cookies, and then it got into your – your personal background. Yes, and and when, when I share the story, I'm going to start with the cookies. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> go ahead. Oh, I can go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> when, when my son was six years old, he saved a 14-month-old baby from a vicious dog attack. My son grabbed the little boy in his left hand. When he, my son turned around, the dog ended up bitting my bit my son in the face. He had to, he had to have his quarter of his face piece back. I know this is gruesome, mm-hmm. but just follow me. Um, 
during the time of his healing, people were coming over, praying for him and bringing them gifts. Um, <clears throat> and by the time my son was four years old, he already knew how to curse or write and read beautifully. He didn't even uh, crawl. He walked at seven months, so he was already uh, wow. advanced. <laughs> but anyway, um, so he sits up. And I also have to say this, too, because this is also part of my story, too. I have to let the audience know that um, I was raised in the nation of Islam and became a Christian 14 years ago. But my son is 21 now, so during the time this was happening, I wasn't a Christian yet. So when he was asking me, um, what do we do? What do we do to, you know, these people are praying for me and bringing me gifts. And, and I said, well, Michael, you can send them back some little thank you cards. And he said, no, Mommy, I want to send them back something special, something that I can make. He said, I've been dreaming about these cookies, and I really want to try to make it. And I said, well, tell me what to do. And he said, no, I, I would like to do it myself. And I said, well, if you feel well enough to go down and make these cookies because this was only like three days after he got bit in the face. So so I just let him go down and do his little thing, and <clears throat> it looked like Play-Doh, I mean cookie dough. Um, he asked me to bake them. I baked I didn't even taste them because, you know, it's a six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> we sent all the cookies out with, the, with his little cards that he made, you know. And I knew people were going to call back and say that, you know, uh, the card is cute, but what is this, you know? But when they called back, they said the cookie tasted like a tea cake cookie that their great-great-grandparents used to make years ago. And I wanted to say this. I have never seen a tea cake or have I even tasted a tea cake to this day. So um, over the course of 14 years, he created over 68 flavors of cookies. He can make a cookie taste like any cake ice cream, or candy bar. If you want me to break it down a little bit more, he can make Mm. a red velvet, German chocolate, lemon meringue, cheesecake, snicker, almond joy, coffee, cookie. And these are all his own recipes? Yes, ma'am. He can even make cookies with vitamins in them. The little kids, so when when they eat the cookies, they're actually eating a vitamin. He can make a cookie that helps you lose weight. I lost a hundred wow, pounds. Work, work, I'm sorry. I lost a hundred pounds working in the bakery. Oh wow! Well, we gotta, I, I oh, we gotta move on. We gotta move. Good. We gotta move. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not gonna ever get through the so story. So easy to get distracted with this. Okay, keep going. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So you know when we make our Boy Scout cookies, they're gonna be nutritionist. But anyway, we're gonna move on. Um. <laughs> When he was in um, kindergarten, he went to school, he came back home, and he says, Mom, why do we do math backwards? My son does math the opposite way. And so in the first grade, he helped the dyslexic students do math because they think backwards. Mm. Okay, move on, move on. Uh, When he was in the seventh grade, he had to invent something for history. He got a C on the project, a great C. He invented a security feature to an aircraft that Boeing is looking at. It came out of patent in 2005. 
Okay, Let's wait, wait, moving. back up. Yeah, say this, say this slowly because I want people to hear this. Um, okay. okay. He was in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me, I'll break grade, it down. You he know. designed, okay, in seventh he designed, grade, okay, wait a minute, hang on. He was in seventh grade, 12 years old. He had three weeks to create something the night before it was due. And I know you parents can feel me. I didn't see anything. I'm looking around, and I'm like, well, Micah, your project is due tomorrow. I don't see anything, you know, and I was thinking I'm going to be up all night. And so he said, well, Mom, he sat me on the couch, and he said, I've been thinking about this. He said, I can't make it. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I've been thinking about the planes crashing into the Twin Towers. And I'm looking at him like, why is he speaking about that? I mean, I would have never. He said, every time you cut the TV on, you know, the plane's going down. He said, mommy, people right. are dying, you know. He said, if, the, if a bird flies into the engine, like the plane is going down. I'm not going to be able to share what he created because, you know. But I will say that when the plane blows up, the people won't blow up. So he okay, we got invented we, a device okay. that okay, go ahead. He let me try to summarize. He invented a device that will prevent um, an explosion from killing people on a plane. That's correct. It's not yeah, a device. Say that right. It's big. I mean, it's a he would he wouldn't have never been able to make that. Because in his mind, he's looking at a, he's thinking about a humongous airplane, you know. And so he got a seat. And, and some people was like, Kimberly, you know how parents are about their kids. They love their kids. They hate when people right. do stuff wrong to their kids. And mothers right. were like, Kimberly, you need to go back up there and tell them, you know, that what happened to the project, <laughs> maybe they'll give them an A. But I, but I took right. the opportunity. I took this opportunity. So let, me, let me help you. Let me understand this correctly. He invented yeah. a way, a way, okay, a way. <laughs> you know, you can't talk about it. But a way to save people's lives if there were an explosion on an airplane. And it is, so just so that people understand, this isn't just dreaming, the Boeing company, <laughs> the Boeing company, who, you know, I live in St. Louis. Boeing is really big here. So I, I know this is a big deal. If you say Boeing was looking at whatever he was working on, whatever he invented, okay, as let me, a, let me as share a how, serious how they thing. found out. Okay. And then it made, okay, let me tell you. Okay, um, <clears throat> the husband was the history teacher, and he decided to take some of the projects home that didn't get a good grade. Because he wanted his wife to look at some of them. And he said, well, maybe I'm missing something. Because what Micah did is, and he did it for me that day as I was sitting on the couch. He brought out one of them big cardboard things, and he sketched it. He, he drew a plane, and he sketched it. He sketched it. He couldn't make it because it, it's, it's something that's going to, you know, it's huge. He, in his mind, he was thinking of a big airplane. So, so that's really why he got to see it, and it went over the teacher's head. He didn't quite get it. But when he right. took the project home, his wife worked for Boeing. When she saw it, she was like, oh, my God. So that's how Boeing got, is looking at it. 
and it's it's a security feature that will protect people from dying if there's an explosion. And the, on the plane, plane blows up, and the flames is coming off of that plane. The people will not get blown up or burnt. Wow! And I, without having to get any more uh, specific than that, I don't think that we would even uh, be able to explain that. <laughs> In an understandable way for this show, but this is not is potentially but you going know what? to help His whole save, story save is not lives. to our understanding, though. Right, right. So, well, okay. I'm just saying that this particular thing is is while it's being in whatever its process it is, um, now that it's being looked at very seriously as something that Boeing would incorporate it's in his being looked at very seriously, really, but it's going to take a, a lot of income to. Right. Developed. And that's amazing. I mean, your son has a mind that is, that is, he's, he's, pro- has, had you gotten his IQ tested? What? That's the first, you know. That's the first thing Thomas said. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> no, I didn't because uh, I didn't look at my son like that. Well, what I mean, is his I, I didn't look at him like as, that? you know, because he didn't get three of them. Well, his, it's a lot, and we, it'll take us like a week to get, go through everything. But um, <clears throat> he didn't get good grades. He got good grade. He got good grades in, in math and science. But um, and I'm gonna tell you why he didn't get good grades. It wasn't the fact that it's the fact that Columbus didn't discover America. Okay, explain. Oh, the Indians was already here. You know, he, okay. it, it's the fact that he didn't want to uh, conform in what the teacher was saying. He knew what was right, you know. Okay. Does okay. So he had his, sure, he had his own method that, yes. that he had thought he and, had and his own, made this sense to him the math. Way. This is the math. Right. When he does, when he adds, he adds the opposite way, and there's no carrying numbers and all that at the top. You don't even have to worry about all that the way he adds. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. don't even have to do all that. So his his way of thinking was different, but my thing was as long as the answer is right. See, the teachers want to see it, everything looks like what they have. Right. You know? And if they allow the kids to interpret it the way they interpret it, as long as the answer is right, they need to allow them to do that. So that's mm-hmm. why you didn't get good grades. Okay. Does that make okay, sense? Okay. Now, right now, so your your son has had extraordinary accomplishments. He still do you still run a cookie business with him? Is that no. still going on? <laughs> Oh no! Okay. So, no, but at was, one point you were making a business. Okay. Um, I I, I um, share with you that uh, when my son was in the twelfth grade, he got a government contract, right? And uh, I I'm not I, sure that came through on our conversation earlier. Uh, okay. But he got a con- government contract to do what? We got a call from Iraq, and 
there's a general that had come through our area because we have Boeing, NASA. Oh, that's right. That's right. Toyota. You're, okay. And he was here for a training. Um, granted, when he called, he had been through Huntsville like almost three years prior to him calling. And he said he was here on a training mission and he was staying at uh, one of the major hotels and he was checking out one day and um, his stomach was growling and he said he, he smelled a sweet smell sitting on the counter. When he looked over to his left, he saw all these cookies, you know, different color cookies. And he reassured me that he just does not eat sweets, um, he's, you know, but... He picked up one of the cookies. It was a lemon cookie and popped it in his mouth as he was walking out the door. And he was telling me that it's almost been three years since he did that, but he still had been thinking about the cookie. And he asked me if was it any kind of way for us to – he wanted the troops to have his cookies, the military troops that, to wow. have his cookies. In the MREs, the MREs is what they go out in the, you know, in the desert with. They're little right, food. right. <laughs> and so, did that ever happen? That's still up in the air too, because we're talking about a boy. Now, mm-hmm. if, if Michael was a female, I think it would have manifested. But Micah is so humble that he's like, well, that was something I was doing when I was growing up. You know, in his mind, uh huh. So right. it's still there. He can he can always do it. I'm not a parent that I'm just gonna just take it and run with it because that was his passion. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I I really feel that he needs to go um, to college and learn the business side of it because I was the one that got everything patented and trademarked and you know, so that he can have a better understanding of running the business side also mm-hmm. with the cookie side. So he doesn't know what he wants to do at the moment. So I have to be patient. Okay. You know how that should come in, right? Okay. Well, he's still, he's still a young man. <laughs> and so tell us this. So you have, without a doubt, I think what, you know, all these stories come to a conclusion that you have an extraordinarily gifted child. But okay. how did he come to be on the earth? And that's your story. Um, right. Okay. And he was also very athletic. But anyway, when we aired on 2020, Micah was 14 then, myself and my husband, um, we have at that point we have been married for 19 years because we are going on 26 next week years. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I was told by doctors that um, that I couldn't have children, and me and my husband has never had a child. But five years into our marriage. I got brutally raped in birth, my son Micah. The guy that raped me, my husband saluted him in the military, and he was an associate member, minister of a sister church we was attending. Mm-hmm. Sorry. 
So that's how Micah became Micah. Right. On this earth. And you were alone at the time because your your husband was away. Mm Mhm. He was away. He was away, and what happened when we were, I was selling a condo. My husband was away on a training mission, and we knew that we probably would be moving because, you know, when you're in the military, every four years you're going somewhere. And so he was, right. going, he was at a new, new train, doing some type of new training. So uh, I was left behind to sell our condo that we had, that we were living in. Okay. And that's when it happened. I went, uh, my girlfriend was a realtor. At, 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 I won't say the company, but it's one of the major real estate companies. And um, I went to her and I told her I would like to sell my condo. And she had a list of people that, um, you know, that she knew that was open to buying condos at that time. And, uh, but the particular day the guy called me, I mean, that, that particular day that, he wanted to go see the condo. She was busy at the time. She she couldn't make any arrangements. And because of the profession that I was in, too, I wasn't a realtor, but I worked with the realtors in the mortgage in the mortgage people. I was the credit part of the mortgage. Mm-hmm. I owned mm-hmm. the credit bureau. So um, when they were okay, sometimes I would do open houses for the realtors or, you know, different things. So, um, I felt comfortable enough, and not only that, when I found out who the guy was that wanted to buy the home, I knew of him. You know, he, he I've, I had seen him before because he worked, you know, he was a retired, I mean, he was in the Marine Corps like my husband, and I saw him, you know, like, you know, by going to church and having, you know, so it wasn't, he wasn't like somebody that I didn't, had never seen before, you know, and he seemed uh-huh, real cordial and professional, you know, when I would see him, you know, very nice person as far as I could see. So when I found out it was him, I felt even more comfortable about taking him to the house to show him the condo so that we could sell it to him, you know. So and right. that's when it happened. That's when it happened. <laughs> and and the, the, the ironic thing about all that, though, is that, he had been stalking me, and I wasn't aware oh, of it. It's right. The guy, the guy, the, uh, the guy that raped me. He, he had been stalking, stalking you, too. Years. Yeah. He had been wow. stalking me. And, and, and I want to say this. A lot of people, when they, okay, let me just say this. My son was not my first rape. My son was my third rape. So a lot of times when people, when women go through trauma of rape and and they don't get help for it, you know, they don't really go get, uh, go to a psychiatrist or they don't really work with people in their church or whatever to, to get over that, you know, that, that, that horrific event, mm-hmm. they lose a type of consciousness of not knowing when people are stalking them, you know, they don't, they're okay. not, there were signs, but they weren't, you know, I, I just wasn't paying attention because I didn't know what the, at the time, what the signs were. Okay. Knowing that okay. someone was stalking me. Does that make so sense? So he, right. So he, um, 
he had he had raped you, and this is where the 2020 story kind of picks up your story after the rape. And now you had gone through this experience. You had you, then you found out you were pregnant, and you had thought you couldn't be pregnant, <laughs> but then you, you found know, out you were pregnant. Awful. It was it was in one hand it was awful, but on the other hand I was blessed. <clears throat> right. Right. Yeah. How did you feel? How work? Tell us how you walked through um, all of those feelings. Now you're pregnant, you know, and it is not your husband's child. And how did, right. did you and have the, family? And the real thing you? is, what? how am I going to tell my husband who right. is still away on the mission? Um, mm-hmm. And the, and the big difficulty of that, big dif- biggest difficulty was of that was was would he believe you? There you go. Well, he would believe right. me in, but like I, um, I mean, it was really hard. Uh, you know, there was a lot of depression, and because um, back then, um, you have to remember. I wasn't a Christian yet, so okay. I was go. I was attending a Christian church with my my husband was a Christian. I was attending a church, but I wasn't quite connected yet. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? Sure. I hadn't even been that. You know, I wasn't. I hadn't even confessed that I knew that Jesus was Lord back then. So it was a lot more harder because I didn't really know that I could think of the God. Mm-hmm. God wasn't my father yet. <laughs> right, right. So, so you had had felt like you bore this kind of this, the burden of of what do I say? How do I deal with this for a while? And then, well, your husband comes back, and how did you end up having to tell him? And what happened? I finally told him, and um, he didn't believe me. I mean, I didn't know he didn't believe me because my husband is very introverted. He don't talk. Mm-hmm. So I wow. told him, and there was no response. But later on, I mean, when we did that 2020 interview seven years ago, they didn't prompt us with the question. So a lot of things that came out of that interview, I was hearing for the first time. Right. And that was wow. one of the yeah, that was one of the things he did say that he did not believe me at first. And when he said that on the interview, it kind of confirmed because my husband volunteered to go overseas twice mm-hmm. to even get away from us, and I couldn't understand that. It, you know, the 2020 interview brought up, I mean, they it, they really didn't show a lot of the questions they asked because they was here for four days. I want to try to get that other footage. But, okay. um, hmm. yeah. It it just it it did give me a a new respect for my husband, and it gave me so much more understanding of why he wasn't around. Uh, you okay. know, some of the reasons why he wasn't right. around wasn't because they had sent him on a mission. Some of the reasons was because he volunteered to go on a mission. Okay. Do you understand? Right, and I don't. And then I don't think. So tell us. Tell us when you got to this point. 
um, how did this end up being resolved? Because at some point, Michael was born. Mm-hmm. Michael so was born, and was I born? tell you, when okay. Michael was born, I mean, even before then, my husband was very, very tentative, even though um, he knew. And that was one of the questions that they didn't show on 2020. That question was asked. They asked. Eric, how did you feel when you were in the uh, room when she was about to give birth to the baby? They asked him, how did you feel knowing that that child was coming out of her was not your child and that um, you knew the guy who had raped her wife or who child it was? And my husband surprised me with his answer because we don't, I, we never sat down and talked about that. So, but he said that to be truthful, he said when that baby came out and I saw that baby, and I and the and the doctor gave me my son and I looked at my son. He said it didn't matter. He said he said this is my son. No matter how it came from God, no matter how we got he got here, this is my son. Wow. And I was just blown away. I'm just I'm just saying <laughs> hello? Yeah. Are you there? Oh, hi. <laughs> yes, I'm <here>. sorry. <laughs> like, are you there? Did I lose her? No. But anyway, yeah, I mean he was just, you know, you know, at first he didn't believe it, but then he just pretty much said this is my son. So very that's that's just touching. That's great. Um okay. but it wasn't you know, it wasn't out as as I remember if you watch the if anybody picks it up um somewhere, you know, on online, it wasn't so easy for so he had a period of time <coughs> excuse me where he had easy. difficulty and oh, then you it wasn't easy. He had a period too. of time where we were just Moments, you know, he really. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he was angry, but he never. I, be, I, I, I'm going to say this because he was a trained marine. He was taught not to show his emotions, so I think he was upset more than what what he was. But the 2020 really brought it out, and like mm-hmm. I said, it was more of a confirmation of wow. No wonder he was, you know, no wonder he was like this or no wonder he was like that. So, um, but I'm going to tell you this too, though. I mean, we were talking about it and I know we don't have a whole lot of time, but I do want to say this too. Um, and you haven't asked me that question. Why did I not get an abortion? But Right. Uh, we're trying to work that up to that. <laughs> was also but asked yeah, on 2020. So, um when I was asked that question, you know, I never even thought about abortion. I really didn't. That wasn't on my mind because the thought that I was pregnant and they told me I couldn't get pregnant and my husband never got me pregnant, you know, I was like, well, this baby is a part of me too. You know, if he's a part of me and we raise him in a loving home, he should be fine, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. where I was with all that. I, I, Abortion didn't even come to my mind. Did it so, surprise? I don't know why not. Did it did it surprise the 2020 host or the reporter? Yes. Did, 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 yes. It surprised her. 
Chang. Um, Juju Chang was Porter, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It did. Juju Chang. Because yeah. I think she would have expected you to to say, Well, I, I can't have this child, it's not my husband's child and our you know, not from our marriage and well, a, her, her next child question was her yeah. next question was, Eric, I mean, how did you feel? What is going on? You know, right. and he said, well, he was, he said, I was having feelings because I, I, I felt like I couldn't help her. I couldn't save her. I wasn't there, and that happened to right. her. I was absent. I was gone, you know. And right. then, um, it, you know, um, it was mixed feelings. I mean, it. it, it the interview was just awesome. I just, <laughs> yeah. Right. So. And, yeah, I think it brought out a lot. The one thing that I got out of the, the interview was that your story is, is, it was difficult for both you and your husband, Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is he listening to this program also, right now? <laughs> it was also real, though. You know, it wasn't, Yeah. you know, like I said, we weren't prompt with the questions. So the the answers was really from the heart, you know. Right, and you know I think what, I mean? it, what I appreciated the most is that you have uh, this isn't a, a, a exactly the storybook where everything's okay in your mind and in your heart and in his mind and in his art from day one. You both had to struggle with trust. You both had to struggle with doubt. And right. How t- finding the love for your son at different times, right? Because mm-hmm. you had revealed that it was difficult for him, and then it was difficult for you. Let me share about a time son. where I used to travel a lot, and I did say this on 2020. Um, and mm-hmm. I do have a fan page that people can link up to, and not they don't necessarily have to go through my name or anything. Okay, if they want to see that video. I'll have to give you that. But anyway, um, I used to travel a lot, and a couple of times I would come home. Um, and you know when you come home, when you're away from your kids, and you come home and you open the door, they're so excited to see you, you know. They're hollering and screaming and running down the hall. And I know one day I opened the door, and he was running down the hall. His hands were flapping, and, and I literally closed the door in his face because mm-hmm. my son – looks just like my rapist. Right. Having flashbacks. You know, and it was like, and and see, I'm a very affectionate type person. I was shocked that I did that. I was like, I can't believe I closed the door. And my son said, because he was on the other side of the door bawling, you know, like, mom, just slammed the door in my face, you know. But um, it's a lot. You, I mean, but I had to get help, you know, it, it's not something where, uh, you know, I had to get counseling and stuff. It's not something that you mm-hmm. can just, a lot, let me just, a lot of people feel like because yeah. they go to church and, you know, they feel like God has forgiven them in which they need to forgive themselves first before God really forgives, but they think that that's all they need. And it's more than that because you can go to church and you can, you can be filled with the Spirit at the moment but then you can leave church, somebody can come up to you and say something that will trigger that thing right back up again. So you have to mm-hmm. deal with it. And I actually went through, like, it was called, like, a clearing. I called it a clearing. And that's a different type of counseling. 
to where once mm-hmm. I speak it, it's gone. So the more I speak it, it's gone. And see, I know wow. it's gone because I'm going to tell you, the day I got raped was February 14th. And normally when this month comes around, Valentine's, I'm, I normally be messed up, sick, fibromyalgia, uh, hurting, pain, headache. You know, the body still remembers. And I, I don't have pain anymore. Well, praise God. Amen. I yeah, used to have so, fibromyalgia. I don't have it anymore. You came over, You overcame all of these emotional difficulties. And your son really is. It, now, you don't have any other children, do you? No. We, we, no. We have, my so husband never Micah, had Micah is your only son. My only son. Wow. So, you know, I really want to emphasize this, where you have healed from, I don't want to say you, you, it's always going to be all gone, but you are you are overcome the emotional difficulty of having been raped and then conceiving Micah, but Micah is now just, I mean, I can't imagine life on earth without this individual on earth. And to think that most people who support abortion in the case of rape will say, you know, these type of children, as if there's a type, don't deserve to live if they've been conceived under these circumstances. Think about what this world would be deprived of if your young man weren't in it. I, I, I just I can't fathom that right now. And and Thomas, did you want to say something? Thomas, did you want to say something? No, hold on. <laughs> I think he left on his hey. button. <laughs> I want to say this too, though. And this uh-huh. is the awesome. This is the awesomeness of all of this. I want to kind of wrap it up with this. I am so honored that God chose myself and my family to give him the glory through the story because he already knows what people can handle. He already right. knows what you can handle for yourself. And you know, people go through a struggle and they be like, man, why am I feeling the struggle? He already knows you can handle it. It's what you do with it. And I'm so honored that he chose us to manifest this story, to bring it forth, to save some souls. Amen. Are you on Amen. here? Amen. And your, your son... Your son is a blessing. Your son has been a blessing to so many people. I mean, he saved a 14-month-old child from a dog attack, and he's, you know, he's been an athlete. He's been a high achiever, and he's, you know, an entrepreneur where he's he's invented a lot of, you know, this cookie business. Now we got to get back to the cookies. Because it's all about yeah. cookies now for me, um, and he has done 
had accomplished so much. And I, you know, to those people that have called into our program before and have asked mm-hmm. and have made the statement that, oh, my life would have not been what it is if I had this child in my past. I see for every instance where somebody has said, I didn't need a child in my life at the time, so, you know, the child was aborted, I can say, look at a woman who has, you know, didn't ask for a child at the time, never thought she Mm-mm. could have a child, but was blessed out of a violent, terrible situation. I was, I was under the impression she couldn't have any kids. I was right. already resolved that not everything that that happens what that is horrible to us has to right. stay horrible forever that you can emotionally heal and focus on your son who has been a big blessing in so many people's lives and he well, you not, know what hardest i would say I'm, I'm, I'm still going through a small struggle but i'm not going to go into that but the right. hardest well, I, thing I right now is, is uh-huh. him being individual person from me. That's the hardest. Mm-hmm. He's been so oh, we've yeah. been so entertained in, in what I want to say tangled together, woven the whole time. And right now, he's away on a retreat trying to find himself so that he could be his own individual. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's what's going. <laughs> and that was another testimony. We have to come back with that one, though. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I would love to have him on, and you know where he is right now. He can't uh, talk. I have him. Yeah. Right. He can't. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Uh, he can't have any media attention. Uh, so I oh. would like for him to come on the program when he's finished with that and talk to us personally. Yeah. That would be a blessing for our show, a blessing to me. And then and also I think my blessing husband to our come audience. on in. Yeah. Yes, we, I would love the, all the whole family to come on uh, and, sh- and share a little bit of, about yourselves and uh, be a blessing to our audience. Well, thank you so much for just this amazing story. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to be thinking about this for a long, long time. I'm not going to forget this. Okay. Um, so I want to thank you for a site for them to just go to to see that Absolutely. video. Absolutely. Okay. Um, this is through Facebook, and it's a fan page. And what I did is I put my name and my son's name together. So I'm going to spell it. Okay. Is okay. Is K I M I K A. K I M I K A. All right. Huh? An incorporation. And you can go through Facebook, put Kamika Corporation at the top. You'll see it in person on the side of the name. It'll say products and services. You click on that, and when you go into the site, my son's picture is in the middle of the page, right corner. You'll see his picture, and you click on it, and it'll show. Now, there's, it's two videos. It's 2020 video, 
And then there's also a local news video of him. You must watch both. Okay. Okay. And I highly recommend it. It's an amazing story to, to get a fuller picture of what we've talked about today. Um, and we will have you back on, definitely, for all the okay. whole family. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Oh, you're welcome. A pleasure is all ours. I know I know Thomas feels the same way. Okay. Thank you, Thomas. <laughs> all right. Have a good night. We will be right back with more Pro Life Fridays Radio. Stay stay with us. I am here. Okay. <laughs>
right. Thank you so much for being patient with the technology hiccups today. All right, Thomas, that was um, just the most awesome uh, story that I have heard in in a long time. And all our stories are, are awesome on here because we only put uh, real people with, uh, and these real people have the most awesome stories because they have triumphed and God has given them stories of triumphs that you're not going to hear about in other places because the mainstream media does not want to hear stories of triumph. They don't want to share people, share with people those who choose life and are rewarded for it. Right. And I don't mean that there's a there's a there's a gimme for this. I mean right. that life choosing life and producing life is far more rewarding in and of itself that we never even realize. You know, the reward in that by itself if it weren't for the constant drumbeat of progressives telling us that women need to have abortion for those circumstances that we have our guests on to talk about. Right, right. You know, so it's so it goes, Right, it goes go ahead. It, it goes much deeper than that. Um, it's like as I was listening to you interview Kim, is she still on with us? No, she she had to go. Oh, okay. Well, as, uh, as you was interviewing Kim, I was involved in a Facebook discussion um, about something where in in the in a black neighborhood in Portland, Oregon, the some of the quote community leaders got together because Trader Joe's was going to build a a grocery store in their neighborhood, but they right. they didn't. They didn't want the people to move in because uh, or the store to come because it would cause too many white people to move in and drive up the prices of the um, of the stuff of of the they said drive up the, the property. property value. Yeah. Right. So I I pointed out I said you know uh, when I originally posted it I said you wonder why. Um, wonder why the black community doesn't have and never gets ahead. I said, with community leaders like this, you can stick a fork in us because we're done. And so I get in a debate. I get a de- get in a debate on there with um, with some people. And it was it wasn't contentious, just, you know, just debate. And their point is they're making a point. They're trying to say, I understand I understand where they're coming from. I said, I understand it too. It's still racist. Right is right, wrong is wrong. I don't understand the mentality of how 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 people and specifically because I'm black, I'm talking specifically to the black experience, how the black people become so so victimized that we need a certain class, a certain status, people to tell us that we can't get ahead in life. Quite frankly, well, I I'm sick and tired fear. of it. Well, well not I just think there's fear. fear. It, sure. I, well, fear of, of if 
if white people start to like the neighborhood too much, I think the word gentrification was the one thing that they were fearing, uh, where 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 community improvement through external means drives out the people that live there. They can no longer they can no longer afford to live there. I'm not sure that a Trader Joe's opening a store in that particular neighborhood is going to do that. But I understand the fear, but I think it was very irrational to, to lash out against a Trader Joe's. No, it's, what, it's, only, it's, only white people? Only white people shop at Trader Joe's? Is that is that it? Yeah, <laughs> basically that's what, because of the name, it was a white grocery store. But as my friend Eve pointed out, up in Michigan where she lives, in her part of Michigan, Black people paint or shop at Trader Joe's all the time, so she didn't understand the difference. See, what it boils down to is this. When you have articles like that that come out, it makes us look ignorant as a people. And then you have you have a woman, and this is my point, Kimberly Scott, who through um, – through what she went through, her son, a genius, a child prodigy, if she would have had the same type of mentality, she never would have overcame the obstacles that she overcame. And what it boils down to is this. I am sick and tired of that mentality. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. And, and I'm speaking directly, and I'm addressing my community, the black community. You're in a position because you chose to believe that you can't get ahead because someone over here is trying to hold you back. Guess what? You're right. But the same one, the someone that's trying to hold you back is the person that you're listening to that's telling you those lies. It's a bait and switch. If Kim, if Kimberly Scott, through what she experienced, comes and be successful, the owner of three businesses, what does that say about you? What does that say about us as a people? Mm-hmm. Now, come on, folks. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going through a crazy situation right now in terms of where I'm I'm working towards where I want to be in my life, but I have not stopped. Excuses will continue to hinder us because if you want to know the truth, the ones who really care for us as a community are the very ones whose faces that you spit in every single day. There are people that care, but but at the end of the day, you have to realize this. You are ultimately responsible for you and no one else. People are willing to help us up if we're willing to get up. Amen. So get that I, I hand in generally very true. instead of out. So go ahead, right. Patricia. Well, no poo-pooing those that are wanting to help. I think that's that's one of the things that happens a lot, too is that people like right. people, others of not wanting to help when help is there, but, but a lot of people don't want to admit it because it doesn't fit the narrative. So real quick, right. uh, if you haven't seen the pictures from Sochi, uh, that, that's going to be our stupidest thing ever. But uh, we'll get into it next time. 
Have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. To oh, ready, set, go, ready, set, go, oh, so nice.